1: I am awake.
3: Welcome to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm your host, Hade. Hey, kareki to all my friends and relatives in four directions. You are listening to Native Ritz Radio Presents. I'm awake, and I'm your host, Robert Pilot. We discuss local and national native news and events. And as you know, Zoe, native issues are human issues, and human issues are native issues.
2: This portion of the show is supported by the MN350, a grassroots organization fighting for climate justice.
3: Yes, they do. And I'm here live at the Macho State Studios here in St. Paul, which means a place where you take blue clay from. And that's what us uh, Ho-Chunks call St. Paul, Minneapolis. Um, got a rocking show here, Zoe. We got the uh, Lieutenant Governor checking in. And then we have a recording from Wendy. Uh, we're really excited. We got a couple. And then Dr. Stately. But, uh, first before we get too far, why don't we, uh, Take a listen to our Lieutenant Governor with her update and see what she has to say. Welcome, Lieutenant Governor.
4: I mean, this is Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and I'm joining Native Roots Radio with an update from the Walls Flanagan administration. One of the best parts of my job is getting to meet people across the state and their communities and talk about the issues that matter most to our families and neighbors. And one issue that I hear about every single place I go is childcare. Over the past month, I've had the opportunity to visit with child care providers, parents, and business leaders in places like Fergus Falls, St. Cloud, and Lake Elmo to hear more about what we can do to support children and families, as well as the economic vitality and future of communities in every part of the state. The governor and I know that both as parents and from years of talking to Minnesotans that investments in child care are investments in our workforce, education, health, safety, and the future of our state- it's our mission to make Minnesota the best state in the country to raise a family. But frankly, it's impossible to achieve this goal without investing in child care. I often say the biggest pay raise I ever received was when my daughter started kindergarten. But it doesn't have to be this way. We can make these investments. We can increase accessibility and lower costs for families. We can support our providers and ensure they make the wages that they deserve. And we know that those first five years of life... the the first 1000 days are critical for child development. We have an opportunity to make a truly transformational investment in our children's lives. Our budget expands access to early learning and makes crucial investments in childcare accessibility and affordability. Under our proposal, if your household makes less than $200,000 per year and you have two kids under five, you could get up to $8,000 back for your childcare expenses. Our proposal also includes investments in a mixed delivery system that creates and sustains childcare slots where they're needed most, including greater Minnesota. And we propose investments in our providers to ensure that we can continue to recruit and retain outstanding folks to care for our children. The investments we make this legislative session will resonate for generations. We can get this done. And I'm so grateful for the people that we've met who shared their stories. And I have to say that, you know, as indigenous people, we know how crucial caring for our children can be. And so these investments help us to do that in a more intentional and more loving way um, so that the community as a whole can thrive and that we can raise our children in our village together. It's hard to believe that Governor Walls and I are 100 days into our second term. We've made historic strides in the first 100 days to improve the lives of so many Minnesotans, but we are not done yet. The progress that we've made so far has granted freedom and rights to Minnesotans who've been forgotten for far too long. From restoring voting rights to increasing access to driver's licenses for undocumented Minnesotans, to protecting reproductive freedom and gender-affirming care, and providing free breakfast and lunch to every kid in school, this has been historic 100 days. And I'm especially proud of the work to strengthen the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act. On March 16th, Governor Walls signed a bill into law strengthening child welfare protections for Native American children and families. This bill affirms the authority of all federally recognized Indian tribes to handle the cases of Indian child custody and, place place and child placement proceedings and requires social workers to make active efforts to preserve family unity. Through the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act, our children's rights and access to their own culture, language, and identity and family will have another layer of protection beyond the federal Indian Child Welfare Act here in Minnesota. Through our work, we want Minnesotans to know that we care about them, we care about their children, and I have to lift up the incredible work of the Native Caucus on the Minnesota Indian Family Preservation Act. Representative Keeler and Senator Kunesh, along with Representative uh, Kozlowski and Representative Becker-Finn, had incredible conversations and hearings talking about the need of family uh, unification, and making sure that our children stay in their communities. It's powerful work, and I'm so glad that regardless of what the Supreme Court does with ICWA, our children here in Minnesota will be protected. Through our work, the governor and I want Minnesotans to know that the Capitol is the people's house and every people's house, and we fight to improve the life of every Minnesotan. There's so much to do, and I'm excited to get back to work in the final six weeks of the legislative session. Make sure that your senators, representatives and our office uh, hear from you about the things that you care about and the investments you want us to make here in the last six weeks. Chi-miigwech, Pina Gigi, I'm back to you.
3: Wow! Thank you, Lieutenant Governor. Uh, Totally awestruck uh, on her reports that she gives us every couple weeks, and uh, she takes it serious. And it was a good report, right, Zoe?
2: Yeah, no, she does really important work, and I think just acknowledging teachers and all the work they do too is so important. Um, And it's also. Yeah, they've got a lot done, I feel like in this legislative session. It's kind of hard to believe it's almost over. How does that work for the Ho Chunk Nation, Robert? Are you guys Do you guys go year round?
3: Yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. Wow. <laughs> and it's uh uh every time we have a meeting before our, our session, which we have weekly, uh I'm amazed by the things that come up that need to be taken care of and taken care of immediately and uh it's a, it's a little different in and in, uh, in some ways, but it's, it's faster and slower. I don't know how I can explain it, but it seems like now that the, the, here in Minnesota we have the trifecta with the Democrats uh, in both the Senate House and uh, the governor, things have been moving really, really fast. So uh, again, uh, great work by everyone, and I'm glad you gave a shout out to uh, Becker-Finn Kowalski and our favorite state senator, Mary Kunish, along with uh, Heather Keeler, who's probably going to be coming back on the show more often when she is now um, going to have some more time in six weeks. So this is going quick. And what's what's exciting too, Zoe, uh, you know, when I was young, uh, or I shouldn't even say that long ago, you know, these sessions never had to be extended. And it seems like the last five, ten years are always going we have to get more done in the final minute. We have to extend the session because they're not done with their work. And to me, it seems like they're getting done with their work.
2: Right, right. No, it's it's pretty incredible the amount of time and energy um, our state representatives and, you know, just government officials put into this type of work, the ones that are really doing it, you know, <laughs> and it shows for sure. We're really lucky also to have so many indigenous um politicians in our corner because I feel like that is a very unique thing to have in um a state, you know.
3: Right. And I'll be working on your campaign when you uh when you take after your auntie uh who is a state representative uh in Minnesota, so Zoe, I'm excited to, and I'll have probably be re- retired from everything and I'll have a lot of time to help you with your campaign. <laughs>
2: Glad you got it worked out for me already Robert. That's yeah. comforting to know.
3: <laughs> right on. Always thinking of you. Hey, uh, up next Zoe, we're going to have a report from Wendy and she's doing some important work and uh and give us some updates of what's going on too with uh howling for or not for howling for wolves, but our wolves our our elder or uh, relatives here in Minnesota. There's possibility of a bill coming up really quick and a vote on the on the floor so She'll give us an update and then we'll have uh, Dr. Stately, you know, talking about whatever comes to our minds or whatever report he has from NPR. <laughs> That's what I should say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but well, we'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Ho, you're listening to Native ready Presents. I'm awake.
1: If the statistics say that one in three Native women and one in six Native men have experienced sexual assault in their lifetime, it means our whole community is affected by sexual violence. One is too many. Don't stand by. Stand up. Don't engage in acts of sexual violence. And shut down the dirty jokes, the gossip, the victim blaming and shaming. As a community, we can change the way we respond. Contact the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition to attend a workshop to learn more. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition.
3: A lot has changed since 2020. Metro Transit wants to hear from you to help build a network that best serves the Metro's needs for the next five years. Help us grow the right way as more resources, like more drivers, become available. Learn more, fill out an online survey, and find out about upcoming meetings in your neighborhood at metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. metrotransit.org slash network now.
5: No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. Learn more about how Democrats are standing up for working families and small businesses at paidleavemn.org. That's paidleavemn.org. Paid for by Minnesota AFL-CIO. you're listening to native roots radio this is
6: spirit from reservation dogs get up and listen
3: welcome back to native roots radio presents i'm awake and this is robert pilot
2: the show is supported by the minnesota indian women's sexual assault coalition
3: Hey, we're going to get to an uh, update with Wendy and what's going on, and uh, I just want to give uh, a quick uh, shout-out to uh, Shantina, who's uh, our, one of our listeners, who said, No offense, Robert, but things are getting done because more women are in office. That's no kidding. Um, that's She put a little smiley face with a tongue sticking out, but uh, I think there's a lot of truth, if not total truth, on that, uh, Zoe. Yeah,
2: no, I definitely... I definitely agree with her statement, for sure.
3: So, hey, why don't we get with Wendy's report? She's heading there right now and giving us a quick report, and she's going to tell us what she's doing and what's happening. Go ahead, Wendy.
6: My name is Hana Jihihani. That means cares for them. I was given that name by my Dega Curtis. Curtis goes by Mashke Hanejingo, which means walks on white clouds. I'm a Humane Policy Volunteer Leader for the Humane Society of the United States, and I work on animal issues at the local and state level. And it's always my pleasure to do that, and I'm happy to be here tonight. So we have a couple of things going on. I just got a message from Dr. Maureen Hackett saying that the wolf... uh, bill, which we're working on to stop the wolf hunt in Minnesota, is in an omnibus bill right now. So an omnibus bill means that it's in there with other bills and it's all a big mishmash. So that's going to be heard tonight and also voted on. So let's keep our fingers crossed. Please, anybody out there who cares about the wolves, just give a quick call to your uh, local senator and just tell them to please uh, vote um, and your house representative that 's the most important one right now because it 's going to be seen seen and heard in the house tonight, so if you could just call your house representative and just give them a quick call and just say, Please this is important to me, that would be great okay, so also you know i've been working on this humane pet store ordi- ordinance pet humane pet store ordinance. And I've talked about this before on the show. And what this is is an ordinance to stop the sale, the sale of uh, dogs and cats uh, that come from or originate from these horrible puppy mills. And I've talked about this on the show before. So tonight I'm going to be in Blaine, Blaine, Minnesota, and I'm going to be there. Um, hopefully I'll be able to testify I'm not really sure if I will it really depends on how many people are there and it's kind of a for come you know first uh, they serve you first so I'm going to try to get there a little earlier because I really feel like when I talk about our dog Gracie who was a puppy mill breeder dog her story is really compelling so if I don't get to testify tonight at the Blaine City Council, I'll be there at seven o'clock, um, I'm going to kind of just tell you guys what I'm going to tell the Blaine City Council so that it's out there. It's out there in the, in the waves and people could listen to it. So here's what I'm going to tell them. I'm going to say, hello, Blaine City Council members, thank you very much for allowing me to talk in front of you tonight. I want you to know that I worked with my very own city council member in St. Paul. His name is Chris Tolbert. I worked with him along with many other people, many other advocates in St. Paul. I also worked with city council member Sheila Lamb from Cloquet, Minnesota. And we talked and we testified uh, and the Humane Pet Store Ordinance was passed unanimously, both in St. Paul and Cloquet, which is awesome. Uh, We have five cities in Minnesota so far that has adopted the Humane Pet Store Ordinance. They are St. Paul, Cloquet, I just mentioned those, Roseville, Carver, and Eden Prairie. So uh, go those areas. That's awesome. But I really wanted to talk about our dog, Gracie. Uh, Now, Gracie, I've talked to her, talked about her before. Um, She's a little white five-pound Maltese dog, um, and she was in a puppy mill. So a puppy mill is a breeding facility where dogs stay, and they breed their puppies, and then their puppies are sold to pet pet stores. And... um, she was kept in an indoor facility and I can't remember it was either Iowa or Idaho it was either one of those States. I can't find her paperwork, but she was there for seven years and she stayed in a cage for seven years. And, um, once per week, uh, somebody would come around and fill her automatic food and water dispensers. And, um, I, was told that they just kept the heat up enough so the dogs wouldn't freeze and they kept the lights dim. And they did this to save money, right? Because it's all about profits and not compassion. She was bred twice a year. So she had approximately 14 uh, litters. So she was there. And you have to remember these little um, white Maltese puppies are very desirable, um, they're small dogs. Uh, they are hypoallergenic. They don't shed. So, people really like these puppies. Um, so, her puppies were sold to the pet stores throughout the United States. So, for seven years, Gracie did not leave that indoor facility. Gracie never walked on grass. For seven years, she never played with a toy. She had no toys. For seven years, she never was held or spoken to kindly. For seven years, she was a breeding machine. Also, for seven years, she didn't have a name. She had a number that was around her neck. I wish I knew her number also. I don't have that information. I'm wondering if I can get that. I'm going to look into that. So at the end of her seven years, when her body was worn out and she couldn't have any more puppies, she was auctioned off for $35. So a rescue took her in and a man named Gary fostered her and then quickly fell in love and adopted her. Uh, Shortly after he adopted Gracie, uh, Gary died unexpectedly, which was really sad. And uh, Robert and I were able to adopt Gracie along with his two other dogs, Wanda and Emma. So we had the three of them. And when we got Gracie, she was really a shell of a dog. She really did not know anything. She didn't know how to walk on the grass. She didn't even know how to Uh, drink water from a bowl because she was given the water in a dispenser like you would give a hamster like in one of those hanging ones so she had to learn how to even drink water from a bowl Uh, she had three teeth in her mouth that were rotting and we had to get those removed Um, She was, we used to laugh, my husband and I, because uh, Gracie would find something or come up, stumble upon something that really scared her. And we would say, "Uh uh-oh, Gracie's frozen. What is she afraid of? One time she was so afraid to walk on leaves. We were out for a walk in the fall and Wanda and Emma, our other dogs, just like walked right through the leaves and Gracie just stopped in her tracks because she never saw leaves before. She didn't know what they were. So we had to coax her to walk over the leaves. She didn't walk over them, she jumped. And it was really sad and funny at the same time. Um I had dogs my whole life and Gracie one day was out on the deck on a sunny day and she was gazing up at the sky. And I said to Robert, what is she looking at? Is there a bird up there or something in the tree? And he said, no, I think she's gazing at the sky. She was gazing at the sky because for seven years she was in an indoor facility and never saw the sky. So, how sad is that? So, the pet stores that sell these puppies from these horrible facilities are the pipeline to these puppy mills and we need to break that pipeline and that's why I am going tonight to talk to the Blaine City Council and try to persuade them and convince them that adopting the Humane Pet Store Ordinance in Blaine is a good idea for these puppies. I can talk for a very long time about this subject but I do want to say that uh, throughout the United throughout the United States, uh, at least ninety nine percent of the dogs and cats sold in these pet stores are from puppy mills. That's where they originate from. The puppies are the lucky ones; they get out, but the breeder dogs, the female and even the male dogs, have hor- live horrible lives. So we want to end this horrible practice. And we're going to go city by city. And if you live in Blaine, I would um, ask you to call your city council member and tell them that you care about this. All right, Robert, back to you. Wish me luck tonight.
3: Hey, break a leg there, Wendy. You're going to do great. I, we just got an update, uh, Zoe, uh, from uh, Dr. Maureen Hackett uh, from Holling for Wolves. They have won the vote in the House on keeping wolves safe in Minnesota. Uh, the vote was 69 to 57. Yeah, there's the applause. One Republican named Andrew Myers from Minnetonka voted with us. Thank you all. Thank you all who... Uh, called your representatives emailed and did all those things I got to bring up the applause one more time yes yes right on hey we'll be you know we're up to minute up to the minute here Zoe up next dr. Stately again congratulations to our wolves the house passed it on the obvious bill 69 to 57. We'll be right back after this short break with dr. Stately.
5: No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. Learn more about how Democrats are standing up for working families and small businesses at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by Minnesota AFL-CIO.
4: Don't drive too fast or you will miss Scott Jamama's Hot Barbecue. Scott Jamama's offers huge taste out of a little place. Located at 3 West Diamond Lake Road near the intersection of Nicolette Avenue and West Diamond Lake Road in Minneapolis, this tiny hole in the wall offers mouth-watering baby back ribs, grilled chicken, and half-pound pulled pork sandwiches. Don't forget to add the potato salad, spicy baked beans, twice-baked potatoes, and delicious desserts. Find their winter hours and full menu at scottjamamas.com.
3: Hi, this is Chad from AM950. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed roofing, siding, window, and insulation contractor in the metro. Ryan is so excited about working with AM950 and our listeners that he wants to
5: help us grow. This is Ryan, owner of Snap Construction. I was friends with Chad long before I started marketing with him. I was a bit skeptical of radio advertising before Chad convinced us to run ads. The advertising's been so successful, we want to help the station grow. We've absolutely loved working with the listeners of AM950, and we all know how extreme important! This radio station is to the community. To help AM950 grow, Snap Construction will be putting up proceeds to assist the station in marketing on social media. Snap Construction encourages you to follow, engage, share, and interact on the AM950 social media platforms. Together, we can all work to ensure AM950 continues to thrive and grow in our communities. We stand by our work with a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee. For a free estimate or more information on our financing, call 612-333-SNAP or check us out online. With a look at your AM 950 weather, I'm Patrick Lilia. Clear tonight with a low of 29, then sunshine on Tuesday with a high of 52. Scotchamamas Hot Barbecue offers the huge taste of selections like baby back ribs and pulled pork sandwiches out of a little place. Scotchamamas is located just a block west of I 35W off of West Diamond Lake Road in South Minneapolis. Visit their website at scotchamamas.com.
3: Bisous. I am Oshawashko Gijig. I'm from Red Lake Nation. And you're
2: listening to Native Roots Radio.
3: Welcome back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake.
2: This portion of the show is supported by the Native American Community Development Institute.
3: Hey, right on, Zoe. Hey, let me just uh, bring again uh, the breaking news, an uh, update uh, from Dr. Maureen Hackett from Holling for Wolves. Uh, we won the vote in the House uh, on keeping wolves safe, and the vote was 69-4 uh, and 57 against. Uh, one Republican named Andrew Myers from Minnetonka voted with us, and uh, just a, a little more of an update. Uh, there was uh, several Republicans were not, there and some did not vote only one dem was absent so all the dems voted pro wolf except except one and that person was absent so uh that's uh pretty awesome news zoe
2: yeah wow lots of work went into that too so it's really cool to see it come to fruition um it's a big deal it's a very big deal especially for our wolf relatives and i also just know a lot of people up in white earth too that have been you know, hoping that this also happens because you know we have relatives all over the state that um, you know look after our wolves and try to protect them because they don't have a voice in any of this. You know, of course. So yeah. yeah. What about what about um, the work you guys did last week? How does this feel having just been just been at the Capitol talking about this issue?
3: Well, I, I it's a double edged sword. One that we have to do this, and the other other side is um uh, you know educating people is part of our jam here uh at native roots radio and uh and what we do as native people we're always uh, you know educating people uh one of the things and it's interesting too we don't have dr. stately right now, but one of the things that was interesting uh Zoe was that how it changed in the conversation. uh, The Republicans that were in this uh, work group or uh, uh, testimony thing were offered to ask a question and basically they didn't ask questions. They got on a little stump speech each time and I thought that was, when I was watching that, I thought that was really ironic. There was... You know, I'm thinking to myself, is there a question in this or are you just saying wolves bad, you know, <laughs> you know, the wolves bad, that's kill them. Or that's uh, all those words they used. Uh, I, I got my notes here, but it's hilarious. They used the, the words they used were uh, managing wolf season mm-hmm. harvest. And you know, I was just going, okay. That means slaughter. That means take out. One of the senators did say we take him out, and I don't know if he really knew or knew that uh, meant he meant to had say said what he that. said. Yeah, right. Yeah, thank you. And one of the things that really shocked me, but I'm getting a lot of kudos. And maybe uh, if Doctor Stately doesn't show up, I can cue that up. My whole testimony on the last segment. And it was interesting how one of the senators was going on and on. Again, it wasn't a question. And this was after my testimony. And threw in there, if I uh, believe in protecting the wolves, I must be anti-abortion too. And I didn't – yeah, he said that. And – my response was brilliant, even though I do say so myself. Uh, I, he said, when I think of this, uh, he said, and we'll play it if again, like if Dr. Stately doesn't show up. But my response was, uh, <laughs> was, when I think of guns, I think of mass shootings in schools. And then the whole place erupted in applause because it was just like, what is he talking about? You yeah, know?
2: like let's just let's just all be random now if if that's the the precedent if he's just asking about talking about anything. That's so weird. Did no connection. He just
3: Well, that was shot the shot connection the and I talked to uh Marine Hackett afterwards and she said that's the Republican game plan now is to bring abortion and all these things in when you're when you know we're talking about protecting the wolves, we must be be talking about protecting babies too or unborn and it was like whoa and then i then i scolded him too i told him it was irresponsible that he was muddying the waters and i told him he was irresponsible <laughs> and everyone had clapped right. again the, and then the people were you would have been proud of me zoe maybe we will play that um uh in the last segment and uh i can cue that up but it was uh, it was a trip it was a trip because. Uh, One of the senators were saying, well, I talked to my grandmother and they were building a house and then the wolves, you know, this is the 1870s, you know, and I'm thinking he's building a house up in in Indian country. So these settlers are stealing land up there. That's all I could think of. Right. And uh, he said the wolves were coming. So we had to come out there and they were, you know, our doors, we didn't have doors. And I'm thinking, why in the hell didn't you have doors? (laughs) (laughs) i mean sounds like a
2: you problem yeah
3: yeah and i mean i'm thinking well if the wolves were up there going crazy i mean we we shut our chapoteques and wigwams and teepees we shut the doors there uh why couldn't he his great grandma shut the door and keep the wolves out i don't know i all these things like you know uh Uh, Red Riding Hood came to my mind during this. I was just like going, what is going on here? Is this, again, the Republicans are in an upside-down world.
2: Why have wolves been so, you know, demonized? Demonized? That's a really weird, like, I I guess I've never really thought of it, but I do think a lot about how, like, in horror movies, you know, the woods are, like, the scary place and Mm -hmm. the wolves are usually a villain in some respect, but I just... I mean, this is maybe a stretch for some, but I always think about how you know, just Western society really tries to push us to disconnect from nature, Um, and that that's can be that's a part of it for sure. Our wolf, our wolf relatives have definitely been victims of of that kind of I don't know propaganda, I guess. But I also think about the language we we're just talking about when they're were like, "We're gonna harvest the wolves," um, right. you know, whatever. And it, it's season. very, it really just reminds me of like. history and like, you know, the way that um, settlers talked to Indigenous people about trying to get land from them and the words that they probably used then and the words that they used continually to justify, you know, the taking of Indigenous land and the killing of Indigenous people. And so not to say that wolves are us, but we're very closely connected. And so it's really interesting to hear the rhetoric that they're using around this issue that they obviously didn't really do a ton of research to really back up because you guys really brought the experts in the field and it showed obviously, you know?
3: Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Uh, it, it, it was interesting because I feel like I brought kind of the human element in, um, because there were a lot of experts coming in and I was talking about, uh, you know, in, in the Ho chunk creation story, we speak of, sp- of four wolves, uh, Zoe and, uh, you know the blue wolf is the controller of the day, you know um the black wolf is the controller of the night, and the white wolf is the commander of all things that are holy and the gray wolf, which is now lives on the earth's surface as guardians of mankind and you know they're also protectors of our ecosystem, and these are things that are uh proven time and time again uh You know, and I don't know, we talked a lot over the years on Native Ritz Radio about what they did in Yellowstone to reestablish the wolf population. And that's proof in the pudding right there, Zoe.
2: Yeah, could you explain a little bit? I remember we talked about it some, but I guess I'm not fully on what they all did over there.
3: There was was no wolves for uh, a long time, and they reestablished putting wolves in there. And within a year... The ecosystem changed, and one of the reasons why is the wolves are hunters, and and I think the 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 I want to say caribou, but what what are the other big the not the deer, but uh, moose out. The moose were there, and the the wolves took them out. You know, took a lot of them out. And so there was not overeating. Trees came up, you know. Trees came up out of nowhere around the shorelines of creeks. There's all these things that, um, happened because the balance of nature and, uh, it, it came, came about, you know. That's the amazing thing for me about it was that how trees came back because the moose and those, uh, other animals weren't eating it away. And then. Right. What does that do to the shoreline? It protects the shoreline because the roots and the trees protect from erosion and on and on and on. And uh, those are the couple that I can think of just off the top of my
2: head. Right. It's almost like everything is connected. No, (laughs) it's just like I wish people could understand that. We understand that. Indigenous people have known that forever. And I think that's one of the things that's, that's also frustrating about these types of issues is that our credibility as indigenous people is always coming into question when we're trying to speak on an issue such as this if we're not an expert in the field our opinions aren't valid or credible but really our opinions should be just as credible and valid because you know our oral traditions and it's that we have passed down onto us are actually now be, a lot of them are being proven by science and i think that that's a really interesting turn um, in history right now is that scientists are like oh indigenous people have been doing this for years and scientifically it actually makes sense it's like wow you know i'm being sarcastic like I we know. just
3: well zoe we one of the things that one that of the way. one of the things that i like to bring up zoe is the fact that um you know a lot of our listeners are are white allies and they were colonized and they were once people of the land in the sky too and it's just that Natives here in the Garden of Eden, or whatever you want to call the United States, have been the protectors of of the land, and um, we're the are the last to be colonized, so to speak, and we still are. In our teachings, um, I mean, we we were taught we're we're made of earth and sky, you know, uh, mm-hmm. literally, and our DNA is so unique. We have proof of that.
2: Well, and that's why we're here. You know, we're stewards of the land. And so I feel like as any of our relatives on this on this earth can can align under that too of, of being stewards of their own own places and spaces. Um, we really need more and more people to care about our environment, not as a second hand issue, but as hum- as a human issue. because um, it fully fully affects us of course. So um, awesome. Yeah, this is really good news, Robert. It's really exciting to hear that this is that this happening right now.
3: Well, Dr. Stately's not here, so I'm going to try and cue up uh, my little uh, segment there, and we can comment on that. We'll be right back. You're listening to Native Roots Radio presents. I'm awake. <laughs> A lot has changed since 2020. Metro Transit wants to hear from you to help build a network that best serves the Metro's needs for the next five years. Help us grow the right way as more resources, like more drivers, become available. Learn more, fill out an online survey, and find out about upcoming meetings in your neighborhood at metrotransit.org slash network hyphen now. metrotransit.org slash network now.
6: Your Blue Line extension project wants to hear from you. We are working on extending the Blue Line light rail into North Minneapolis, Robbinsdale, Crystal, and Brooklyn Park and connecting it to our growing transit system. Tell us about your neighborhood, your business, your family, and what you need from your Blue Line. Learn more and share more of your story at yourblueline.org. That's yourblueline.org.
5: No one should have to choose between a paycheck and their health. Whether it's for a new baby, an unexpected illness, or an aging parent, Minnesotans deserve time to care for themselves and their families. That's why Minnesota Democrats are fighting for all working people to have paid family and medical leave. Learn more about how Democrats are standing up for working families and small businesses at PaidLeaveMN.org. That's PaidLeaveMN.org. Paid for by Minnesota AFL-CIO.
6: Hi, I'm Jane Fonda, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio.
3: And we're back to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake, and this is Robert Pilot.
2: This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations.
0: Howl!
3: Good one. Hey, Um, you're listening to native roots radio and we were talking about, uh, the protection keeping wolves on this in safe in Minnesota, one on the house, uh, just a few minutes ago. And we have a opportunity to play my little uh, testimony here. And I think I have it queued up Zoe. Um, but if not, you're going to have to tap dance a little bit here, but let's give it a shot (laughs) here.
2: (laughs) All righty. Um, so
3: uh, thank
0: thank you, Mr. Lestico uh, next on the agenda is Mr. Oh, you have a question. So, uh,
3: Senator uh let's move uh, just a little bit ahead of that because Senator the Senator had some uh some serious like I said, questioning and I'm just trying to get right there. Let me see where we're at. Okay. One one more question before you go. Okay. It's hard for me, uh, I don't have a mouse, and I'm trying to maneuver things here, but uh, I'm checking this out here, and it looks like I'm getting there. Uh, give me a second, Zoe. I don't want... Oh. All righty.
2: Here we go. That's, yeah, and those... Uh, okay, got it. All righty.
0: Robert Pilot. <laughs> Welcome. And when you get to the testify table, um, uh, introduce yourself with a record.
3: Uh, my name, my colonized name is Robert Pilot. Pinigigi, uh, thank you for uh, inviting me to let me speak my truth. who uh, Ho Chunk Raja Wakunjahade Hingadayana. Hey, all my friends and relatives in four directions. My name is Distant Thunder, and I'm a citizen of Ho Chunk Nation, and I'm in the Eagle Clan. And as I said earlier, my colonized name is Robert Pilot, and I'm a lifelong uh, Minnesota resident, and I'm not a biologist. As you may or may not know, uh, when we hunt, we treat our relatives with respect. We pray over them and put dandy down, tobacco, and uh, pray for them and thank them for their gift. We don't hunt wolves. We uh, take things from toe to tail. We don't stuff them. We don't put them on Display where they're sacred, and there are relatives. They're not just animals; we're animals too. So, should we be managed? That's what I'm kind of hearing today by some of you. Uh, many tribes, including Ho Chunk family, go by clan names and systems. And for my family clan, I'm the eagle, in the eagle clan. And for example, our lieutenant governor is uh, from the wolf clan. Uh, for thousands and thousands of years, Native Americans have watched and learned from wolves and how they lived and how, to care, how they took care of their young, how they treat each other, how they work together. Ho Chunk creation story speaks of four wolf brothers a blue wolf controlled by the day, a black wolf controlled by the night, a white wolf, commander of all things that are holy and the gray wolf, which now lives on the Earth's surface as guardians to mankind. Ho-Chunks are protectors of Mother Earth and Father Sky. The wolves are protectors of our ecosystem and our way of life. Just as a side note, I'm a former high school teacher, and I'm really proud of uh, the latest generation of Gen Zs. Uh, They're... Pretty much the big voting block Going to be coming up here And they're watching this They're watching how we treat our relatives How we use words like Wolf season and harvest When really we mean Killing and slaughtering And managing and taking out Our relatives So Pina Gigi for uh, listening to me And um,
0: thank you Thank you Mr. Pilot Um, uh, Senator Wiesenberg no, I'm not a biologist. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you, Robert. I was not going to ask you you're a biologist. <laughs> um, and I respect, I do respect the wolves. And I guess I want to work with you to let you know what I've seen when I've worked. I've been working with wolves for 20 years. And I've seen when we had a managed season, we had three packs of wolves in Camp Ripley. And our wolf population stayed where it was. The year after the season was gone, I know people that are like, as long as there's a season, I'm not going to shoot wolves. We'll let the season take care of what's going on because, you know, they're killing their livestock and those kinds of things. The year after the season was done, the South Pack diminished in numbers greatly because they're the ones that mostly come south of that range and people were shooting them. I don't want that to happen, but if we don't find a middle ground and stop that, that is what ha- is happening right now, and even... I know you don't want me to say season that's just what it is there's a season on them that's going to continue to happen we can't stop it I want to not have people shooting them illegally I want to try to sustain the population and not harm them Um, I do care about wolves I spent besides being a paid biologist to work out there I've spent (laughs) 13,000 hours volunteering to save wildlife because I care about it I grew up poor sleeping on the floor with no money. I hunted and fished and har- harvested animals to sustain. That's what we did. So I understand. What, I'm not saying you know what I'm trying to say. So I, I respect that. Here you go. But I also, I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm just looking at it from this point where I want to save the wolves, but there's things that people aren't seeing. In, in northern Minnesota, people are shooting wolves and burying them, and that's what's happening, and it's never going to stop if we don't try to satiate what's happening up there. If, uh, if a rancher has a wolf... That is taking their cattle. Maybe the number of depredations that are going down are because the ranchers are now just taking care of it themselves. Um, And DNR has to go like this because they don't have another option. They don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We all have the same thing. We want to save wolves. Um, I, I, you know, you said thank you, chair, for uh, letting me talk. Um, You know, this is good. I'm not trying to be controversial, but. When you said should we be managed, I don't think we should be. But when you say that, that I, abortion pops into my head. I would hope then you're also against abortion if we're against this. So um, that's. Do
3: you know what pops into my head when guns come out? School shootings. Uh, I'm a high school teacher,
0: so I don't know just, wh- how you can how you can put those two things together. Well, no, no, just no, to let you know, no clapping the audience as a committee rule. <laughs> and uh, thank, you, thank you, Mr. Chair. If you, if you if you if you two can wait before I call on you to speak, so that we, <laughs> sorry, here that's we how go. we manage things here, so that we can avoid conflict and it, be civil on our discussion. So sir, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna Mr. tell them Mr. off one Parliament, last do you, time. You Want to respond? Uh, no, good. I think
3: I, I don't think that really um, <laughs> responding about abortion and wolf hunting. Um, I don't want to go down that road. Um, <laughs> I think they're two different things, and uh, uh, to muddy the, the the discussion we have today is uh, a little irresponsible on your
0: part, Senator. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank thank you,
3: and uh, yes, it was Zoe. Don't you think? <laughs> you got to hear it now. Uh,
2: yeah. No, I was just thinking. I was like, actually, his argument worked totally against him because abortion is about anti-abortionists are about managing women's bodies so that was really like not sure where he was going with that one trying to say that the opposite of that but it, it struck me the other way so that was kind of funny i was like he kind of contradicted himself that was a reach for sure
3: well, and then he kept on asking all the people that were, you know, speaking on behalf of the wolves if they were biologists, and that's why I kept on saying I wasn't a biologist when I came in there, and because he isn't a biologist, supposedly. But uh, did you like my response?
2: Yeah, I thought it was very warranted, um, and obviously the the people in the audience agreed, too.
3: <laughs> all right, Zoe. Hey, we did another show together. Uh, We missed Dr. Stately, but things happen, and uh, he's a very busy man. But we were able to celebrate the fact that the House uh, is going to be protecting our wolves, and now it's up to the Senate and the Governor, and hopefully that can be brought up very soon. And uh, I want to thank Wendy for the update, and also a big Pinigigi for Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan to stop in. And Zoe, thank you, as always, Peanagigi.com. We're still here.
6: We are the seventh generation. Free Leonard Peltier now.